Welcome to part three of our Moving Your Medical Careers to Australia podcasts. Today we're going to be talking about all things English tests, a very sought after topic. I'm Dr. Sasha from Koji Australia, where we help people to revive, survive and thrive in their medical careers. Hi guys, so today on this podcast we will be discussing the English test and the different versions and our experiences with it. And we have a really special guest here today, one of our colleagues and one of my friends, Brendan. Hi, Sash. Hi. Thanks very much for having me. No worries. It's an so honor you... being here. <laughs> awesome. Do you want to tell the listeners about you? Cool. Um, so my name's Dr. Brendan. Uh, I'm from South Africa and I relocated to Australia in December 2020 amidst our COVID level two. Um, yes, I um, was fortunate enough to have an employment opportunity in one of the states in Australia. I relocated. I stayed in that hospital. It was a regional hospital. Um, stayed there for about a year. And then I relocated to another regional hospital afterwards. Awesome. So Brendan and I actually worked together a little bit in South Africa, um, in East London. Our paths are entwined. <laughs> Our paths have crossed. And um, Brendan is very knowledgeable. He's quite a senior doctor, um, much more senior than me. He's taught me a lot, actually, throughout my career. A lot of the skills and knowledge I have, um, he works particularly in ICU, but spends a lot of time in ED in Correct, Australia. Yes. Correct. Currently works in ICU as a registrar and starting some training this year. Hopefully. I've yeah. applied to the college. We'll see what happens. Yep. Um, that answers will come in about maybe November, December this year. Yep. Well, that's where I met Brendan at home in, a, in an ICU that he was working in. And he's taught me a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge. And yep, he's really got some very good insights. Thanks, Ash. It's been so, a <laughs> So looking forward to discussing all these options with you and giving people some information about the English test. Perfect. So... I know it's probably going to confuse people as to why we are talking about this because we are English-speaking people. I am a first-language English speaker, and you as well. Yes. And coming from South Africa, there are a lot of people that speak English as their first language or speak English really well even as a second language. However, we are not exempt from the English test. We can't as a non-English-speaking country yeah. For Correct. Australia and APRA purposes. Unfortunately, but that's true. <laughs> so we have a unique situation where um, we are able to compare the two tests that we've done. We've done two separate types of tests. I've done the TOEFL or the T-O-E-F-L test. And Brendan has done IELTS. Correct, yes. Um, so that's I... I-E-L-T-S. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. So we'll be discussing those two tests. Obviously, there are some other options that are mentioned on the APRA website, like OET, which I'll discuss a little bit further later. And there are actually exemptions to these English tests, so not everyone has to do them. Caroline will go into that as well. But for these purposes, we'll be chatting just about these two and our experiences with it, maybe a few tips on how we prepared, yeah, and then maybe give you guys a better idea of the outline of each test and which one you would probably be more suited to um, to do. So, Bren, let's start with yours, with the IELTS. So, how much was it roundabout? Um, offhand, I remember I did it in 2018 and 2019. Um, it was roughly around about maybe $200 or so, mm. um, ballpark figure. It might have gone up a bit, maybe to 300 Yeah, I think um, from what I've read now, it's sitting at around 250 and I think that's US dollars, not even Australian. Yeah. Um, the TOEFL is cheaper. 
Yes. It was when I did it a couple of years back around about $150. I think it's around $180 now. Okay. So just in the price point, TOEFL is just more economical in price. And I can understand why when we go down further of what is indicated to actually help out with making those exams um, profitable, but also in the sense of how they actually are laid out and styled. Because mm. you will then see one's going to be more human-based, person-based, and other one's more online. So TOEFL stands for Test of English Language as a Foreign Language. And IELTS stands for International English Language Testing System, correct? Correct. Right. So TOEFL lasts for two years, and this is for registration purposes, but does last for three years when we talk about visa and PR purposes. So in the Department of Home Affairs, it would be lasting for three years. Yes, and I think that's also the same for IELTS as well. Yes, exactly. Two years for registration, three for mm. immigration purposes. Great. So in that regard, they're pretty much equal. And I think most of these English tests are actually standardized to be I think so. This would be yeah. fair to say. Mm-hmm. It would be terrible to have to redo this just for an administrative thing. So I think the timing of these tests is really important as well. Yes. Um, and obviously, you'd need it for your job and for registration. But if you are thinking of converting visas to PR or... Um, if you're not going to just be doing a short year or two stint in Australia and you want to stay permanently, you might want to think of also just getting on, on top of the PR application and you, to use the same test. Very true. Because you would have to redo it. Yeah, I've done that myself as well. So I had to get on top of it before mm. it expired. Mm. And so it was fortunate that the immigration officers saw it for three years. Yep. So, um, Brendan, you, you'd say you speak really good English. I, 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 mean, like, I, to say s- I like to say that I do, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the test said otherwise. <laughs> like, I would say it's pretty good. It's not as good as mine. Okay. Yeah, fair you judgment. Can tell, fair judgment. You know, what part of South Africa you are from and what part I'm from. It's just evident. Well, one would be the cultural capital and one would be the financial <laughs> capital. <laughs> so, full disclosure, I passed first time. Brendan has had to do this test twice. Yes, I had to do it twice. You did the <laughs> He did the IELTS twice. Twice. I had to drain it out of my pockets as yeah, well. So it's two deep. times $250. Yes. Yes. <laughs> at a South African exchange rate. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of hours of work. So so the stories behind those is that um, firstly, in I think it was 2018, I was applying to Irish registration. Mm-hmm. and You were uh, planning to go to Ireland before so you... So I was planning just to have it as a backup, as an option. And you know, if an option ever. most South Africans kind of like play around with that idea. Yes. Even I yes. we toyed all, with I that idea. A, a lot of people do. And you know, Irish registration is one of the most easiest and probably the most expedient way for a South African doctor to go. Mm. Um, so in 2018, I was exploring that route, and then you know, they said, okay, well, I have to have an English exam as well um, because they didn't view South Africa as a first speaking language in English. So it was interesting though that their band scoring. Um, for the average had to be seven, but yet they would allow each individual section to score 6.5. So okay. oh, so you could average it out. So yes. you could do poorly in one, very well in other, and Correct. just average it out to seven. Yeah. Yeah. So you just had to meet those certain criteria, which mm. they had. We'll, so We'll discuss the scoring as well, but later, yeah. hey. So that's maybe my excuse why I had to write it twice. Oh, I see. You were not aiming for the high <laughs> bandwidths of Australia. Yes. <laughs> Let's just go with that then. <laughs> A pass is a pass <laughs> if it's by an intro bar mile. Mm. 
but unfortunately when it goes if towards you're not Australia, first, you're last. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So 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 Brendan's done it twice. I've done it once. That's also quite a, a I don't know, good difference and a unique perspective to have because you've done it twice. So you know, we can discuss that the pros and cons of that as well. So let's just go into a little bit of the um you know, just the pure facts about the tests. So TOEFL has about 4,500 testing centers worldwide. It's a lot. Yeah. IELTS is a lot less. It's Correct. Um, just over 1,000, I think 1,200 or so testing centers all over. Um, however, even though it's a few t- fewer testing centers, it is still widely available. I mean, it was available in South Africa. Yeah, it was. Whereas AMCs weren't available in South Africa. Very true. Yep. So. Very true. So um, it is it is quite widely available. One of the big differences is that TOEFL is an IBT, which is an internet-based test. So it's a computer test and yours was written. Correct? Yes, it was in person. So everything, person, we had yeah. to actually go to a center, mm-hmm. sit there with a couple of people. Mm-hmm. And so it was actually available in most of the big metropolitan areas, mm-hmm. but not in the smaller regional areas of South Africa. So you didn't use a computer at all? No. Okay. So whether you do the TOEFL, and I know this was an option during COVID. Um, I, I would have to have a look if it's still an option, but you could do um, the TOEFL at home as well, which is what we had to do because of the pandemic. But even if you don't do it at home, you still go to a testing center and it's still computer-based and internet-based. So that's a huge um, difference between the two. It's a nice advantage, I think, because it does uh, provide a lot of flexibility for someone. And I mean, you know, it's a lot more accessible, it being over 3,000 more stations than the IELTS. Yes, so exactly. So it's more accessible in terms of testing centers and also being internet-based, it's just so much easier to, that's why they can just roll it out. However, not everyone would be proficient in using a computer Yes, to so that extent. you have to be computer literate. Yes, exactly. So you actually, I think, have to know your strengths and your weaknesses and how you're able to perform in front of a computer screen Yep. So um, in, instead of being in person. Exactly. So I've mentioned in a lot of podcasts before this that, that having computer access or working with computers on a daily basis is actually not just what everyone experiences. Like like in here in Australia, we Very use true. computers every single day where in, o- in South Africa, we weren't having that exposure no. every single day. So if you just didn't have a high quality laptop at home that you played on all the time, you wouldn't necessarily even as a very well, highly educated, tertiary educated person, have very good computer literacy skills. So that is something to consider. Especially when you have to be doing your writing section. Um, You know, for the IELTS, we could write in hand, Mm. but yet on your TOEFL, you actually have to type it out. Very true. I didn't even actually consider that. You actually then have to think, okay, how many words can I type per minute? And can I hit that (laughs) that benchmark? Exactly. uh, In whatever span of time or so. So And, And if I'm not mistaken, the TOEFL where you would type it, the essay writing time is, is less than IELTS because I think wow. it's 50 minutes and the IELTS one is um, is about an hour. Yes. So that's something to consider. I didn't yes. think of that. Oh, I didn't think of that. I, I was quite happy with my computer literacy, so I was fine with that, but that is something to it's definitely something consider. something that people actually have to realize. 100% definitely. Yep, so that's a main... That's one of the main differences, the paper-based and the internet-based. Another thing that is quite different is the structure of the questions so TOEFL is MCQ based with an essay at the end when they're testing the writing component whereas IELTS (laughs) is um, written answers yes it is written answers and Um, a written essay written essay as Mm. well so the um, the listening test and also the um, reading test 
you'd actually then have to either write down certain answers, you know, other than they give you a diagram and then you have to then say, okay, Johnny goes through this shopping mall and then Mm. turns right and you actually have to write down certain things. Mm. Um, With the listening as well, they'll then say, okay, they give you a sentence or so and you actually then have to describe how many maybe animals were in the park or so and which ones and then Mm. you have to write down all of them. So you actually have to rely on memory. Yep, which is, it's quite similar. It sounds very similar to TOEFL in the sense that we would also get thing, you know, list parts to listen to get played to us, but you would get multiple choice questions. So Correct. even if you had sort of, you know, couldn't remember exactly what you had heard, you might recognize it if you see it again. True. Which I think is quite True. a big advantage. It is. And I think the downside with IELTS is also your handwriting. Mm. If the examiners can't read your handwriting, they will then mark it incorrect. And they're quite specific about that. That's probably why you failed, let's be honest. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's not because of my beautiful English. (laughs) No, no. So, yep, so that's true. I do think, though, the MCQ questions can be tough for some people. I think so. It's a strategic way of answering tests. Not It's not for everyone. No, it's Some not. people hate having to do MCQ. Some people like to be able to express their points in their own words. Yes. Um, so that's something to consider. If you hate MCQ questions, TOEFL's not for you. It's The whole thing is MCQ based. True. Both of these tests are extremely long. They yes. take pretty much the whole day yep. with um, a little break in between. And it is exhausting. I remember feeling exhausted after writing. It is. It was tiring. I mean, you are hitting. We started at 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm. We did our reading, our listening, and our writing test until maybe midday. Mm. And then just had a 30-minute break. Yep. And, and then we started talking or speaking on afterwards. To- TOEFL is pretty, pretty similar. I think it's almost exactly like that. And so just to break down how they test your English skills, for both of these tests, and I think this is quite um, I might be mistaken but this is quite standard across most of the English English testing um, platforms so they would test four domains reading listening speaking and writing and the writing is usually in the form of two essays correct yeah and the topics can vary and you'll find out on the day so the big difference with the scoring systems so with TOEFL there was a total score of 120 marks available, each of the domains being out of 30 points. Now, there are different bandwidths for points in both of these tests, and you have to get over a certain bandwidth to have your English skills recognized for the medical profession. Correct. For TOEFL, it was to meet their advanced English bandwidths, which I'll go into in a minute. Then with IELTS, they test the four... Domains, the same ones? Yeah, same ones. However, it's not out of a total of 120. There's no total score. No, there was individual scores scoring from 1 to 9. So each domain is scored from 1 to 9? Correct. Okay. And then the band score, the average score, um, from an Australian um, perspective, needed to be above 7, as compared to the Irish standard, it was 6.5. Well, no, as in both of them was actually 7, but yet Australia required you to actually score above 7 in each category as well so what you're saying is australia just wanted you to be proficient in each one instead of sucking at the one and being good at the other yes (laughs) (laughs) which one did you fail out of interest it was the it was the written one Mm. yeah it was the written component so i got 6.5 for my first attempt so that was good enough for ireland but then i had to then get seven for australia so i did that that in the second one yes it was a 0.5 difference (laughs) 
terrible. Point five difference costed me another two hundred and fifty dollars. Shocking. <laughs> okay, so it's out of nine IELTS. Yes. Out of nine, average of seven across all Correct. four domains. And, and above seven for each. Correct. So you really have no room for error. No. You either have to get seven or above. Yes. You can't get six and compensate with another, as you've clearly shown. Um, so they really don't even have to have that average of seven. They just need to say get seven bef- above for, for all of exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. And then with TOEFL, so I've already said it's out of 120. Each one is 30. But you do have to get, it's not about your score out of 120. You have to get over a certain mark for each domain to be classified as advanced English. So for reading, it needs to be more than 24 out of 30. For listening, more than 22 out of 30. And speaking, more than 25 out of 30. And writing, more than 24 out of 30. I found it quite interesting that the domains weren't equal. Don't you find that interesting? Yes. Um, Whereas with alts, they are. Yes. Hmm. So I think it's just your, your standardization of your tests and what's accepted. But it is interesting that one examination would then say, fine, they put more weight on one aspect of the mm. or another. And that's pretty pretty important if you're considering between the two tests which one to take. Say you are um, stronger in your speaking, but maybe weaker in listening and responding, then TOEFL might be for you because True. you you can be weaker in, say, listening, which is 22. Something to consider as well. Yes. Where, where IELTS will want you to... You know, you're listening and you're speaking and you're writing to all be of the, same, to be standard. the same standard. Correct. Which is really interesting. Um, did you finish yours? Um, so, yes. Yeah. So, uh, and they give you a certain... So, basically, the reading, the listening, and the writing was all in a big group together. And there was a specific time. So, I was fortunate to finish all of them. Mm. And then afterwards, after the break, then we do a recorded session for the speaking. Okay. So, yeah, I finished mine as well. I, I was pressured, though. It was the pressure, I think, came from with the writing, mm, even on yes. my part. Um, yep. We had to do two essays, and it was there was a time limit and a word mm. um, attainment that we had to do. So we both agree the reading was sort of, it was almost like reading comprehension at school, right? Yes. It was like a passage. Yes. Um, and then you would answer questions on the passage. Correct. My questions would be MCQs, where yours would be written, written questions. Down. I've also had a look online, and it's, it's actually said that the passages that are given between IELTS and TOEFL. TOEFL would be like more newspaper articles or sort of daily written passages that you would come across, whereas IELTS is more like academic passages. Yes, so so it goes back to what level of um, testing you're needing. For medicine perspectives, you needed advanced English. So the difference would then come in with what types of essays or what type of readings you'd actually be presented with. I see. So in the advanced section, you would be given actual papers. Um, I remember the one was statistical graphs as well. And you actually had to have a broad sense of general knowledge. Um, One of them was, you know, they showed us a graph where the economy was tanking in 2008. And you actually had to actually mention that there was the um, financial recession in America with the housing to actually make your argument and also your insight a lot more um, acceptable. See, I find that crazy because I would have probably done very poorly in something like that. Yeah. Um, so I remember our reading one was a passage on, like from a newspaper article about someone that had gone missing on a, on a bicycle. Okay. So it was really not an academic piece, yeah. yet everyone is being given that piece yes. and based on how well you do on it that's how you get classified as being okay. advanced or not 
Um, right. Do you understand what I mean? I so, see, because our readings also, we also we actually had academic articles. Yeah, so that's one of the big differences that mm. I hear people talking about all the time is that, that the TOEFL is more sort of conversational topics and um, everyday yes. reading where... Where IELTS is very academic. So that's a sore point for a lot of people. I mean, yeah. even as an English speaker, no, reader. And I think, again, it boils down to you just need to know your strengths and then, you know, go window shop at each of these tests to actually see which one you think mm. you'll be able to do the best in. So then for listening, let's chat about the listening. So we had a recording of someone speaking, reading out something. One was an advert, I think, advertisement okay. of some sort with some questions afterwards. Also multiple choice questions. Um, did you have an actual person talking to you? No, so we had pretty much similar. So us sitting in the big room and then they played it from a uh, recording on a radio or so. Mm. And it was through a CD and they were then talk for about maybe two minutes. And then we had to then answer certain questions from that certain passage. Did you take notes? Um, you could. Um, but yet, you know, it all depends if you then are able to multitask. Yeah, and you also don't know what they're going to ask. No, so you don't. I try to take notes. Like, I try to write down pertinent points that were being brought up. That, you know, if it was a, a fact or a time or a place, they might ask that. So I, I would try yes. to write it down. But most of the time, I found it really difficult to do two things yeah. at once. Because you had to really listen attentively. Um, mm. I remember, I think, between the two times that I've gone, one was like giving directions. And the other one was actually explaining what someone has done during their day. Mm. And, you know, we had to then actually... Ours you know, were very recall. similar. Mm. Ours were, that, was, that was very similar. Um, yes, I, find that, I found that very difficult. But again, I had MCQ-based questions. Yes. And you would have had to remember yeah, all just, of that. We just had to then just write then the answer on A, on, you know, question A, mm. write the answer B. Yeah, crazy. And make sure handwriting is legible. Mm. <laughs> and then speaking as well. So the next the next domain would be speaking. And Correct. we had to speak into the, obviously, mic of the computer. Yes. Um, and sort of make a voice memo, a voice recording. And then uh, I suppose that's what they would assess. And they would ask us, they obviously gave us a topic to talk on. And yeah. you were speaking to an actual person. Yes. So we were in a room. Um, then there was a record, a little recorder there. And then the person would then start with just basic, you know, questions about you yourself you know date of birth where do you come from where did you school in and eventually then the questions become a lot more topical about your opinion about you know current political issues or you know some cultural aspects okay. and so you can get quite in depth in your explanations that you give but it was face to face to that person hmm. i think speaking is one of the areas where if you are English speaking and you're doing this test, this is where you just really shine. It comes very naturally to just it speak. Does. And it's where the examiners, I think, can pick up really quickly that you're competent in English. I think where where our downfalls are is the I essay writing. Yes. And um, I think, honestly, the listening. It is. You know, the essay writing, you know, for IELTS or so, there was, when you go into the website and when you've then subscribed or so, they actually give you certain, you know, tips on what to do for listening and writing. And they, even for the speaking, they don't want you to be using certain jargon and certain slang. Yep. And, you know, they don't want you to be using the words, um, are. Yes. So they actually, you know, tr tell you this is what we're expecting. And I... I think that they, don't they only record for a certain amount of time? Well, for us, when we were speaking, they, we, they gave us a certain amount of time to record, like a few, 30 seconds or so. Yes. So you actually had to get your points across well in Quite that quickly. 30 seconds. So if you filled it with um, ah, uh, and 
yeah. then it would you, not work in your it favor. It wouldn't work, no. Yeah, for us, it was a continuous uh, recording. I think the interview was about maybe two to five minutes, if I could That's recall. That's pretty nice. So, because ours was done definitely in little bursts, which is, um, I, I found that hard. Yeah. To like get my point across I very mean, quickly and yeah. clearly. True. And mm. especially when it has to be spontaneous. Yeah. And then the essay writing, I mean, we've gone over that. That's pretty much like how essay writing was at school where they give you two topics and it's like a school exam. Give yes. you some topics or something controversial to talk about. Exactly. And you, um, you just write two yes. pieces um, of writing. They gave you a word count. I can't remember offhand how long mine was. But exactly. Yeah, we, that was probably the oh. biggest time-pressured area for me, but I still yes. finished. And Yeah. Um, um, also, time-pressured for me too. I fortunately finished. Um, yeah, those, that's the one that I got different between the two uh, attempts that I did. Hmm. And also, again, it was an uh, academic articles that you had to interpret with graphs or statistics Crazy. or numbers that they actually gave you. I think um, we had something on like a, a historical piece, like a bit of, they were t- talking about some prehistoric dinosaur oh, okay. his- history type um, article. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, and it was actually, I quite enjoyed the, the yeah. essays. You know, you're paying so much money, you might as well enjoy the moments. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we've already mentioned once or twice that you've done this twice. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> my question is why would you have so you if you didn't pass it the first time why did you do IELTS again why wouldn't you have tried TOEFL True. or OET or something else I think it was you know firstly um, I was very familiar with IELTS going around the second time I knew that I had to now get a higher score and I was familiar with the layouts mm. and so I knew fine I'll have to just you know give them what they need and also it would then require maybe a bit less preparation because I've already prepared first mm. and for the first attempt. Again, also um, time-wise, um, I never really had enough time to then explore other opportunities, you know, to go in depth to see what was the other options. And yeah, so I just went with that and you no know, hope for the best really. Mm. I think that makes sense. You um, know, at that point in time, you know, it's, I think that was the most important thing that I could do. Um, given the situations or so. Mm. I think I'd probably have done the same thing just because the preparation for each of these tests is a little different. And um, I don't know how you prepared. I was very confused as to how to prepare for like an English test in a language that I only know. Um, You know what I mean? Like it's not like it's not like you have to learn English again. Yeah, no, true. Um, So you you just it's more tactical and structuring of how the test would be that that I was looking into. And I used YouTube videos for most of them. Yes. How did you prepare? Um, my preparation was, you know, the they had resources on the IELTS website once you've actually paid and stuff. There was also the options of purchasing more material through them. Um, and I think if you aren't adept in English language or if it's English is your second language, you know, having certain preparations going through or certain classes would maybe be in your favor. Like a course? Courses mm. or so, or what they would offer online or what you did through YouTube. I mean, you know, there's a lot of resources freely available now. Mm. And also, I think, you know, just practice reading. And, you know, you have to submerse yourself in that language. Mm. So reading books, you know, even just it would be fictional books, mm. conversing to people online or speaking to people in English, watching English television so you could try and recall and just, you know, yep. hone in on your listening skills. Those point. are your soft touches. I think, you know, for myself and you, it might have been relatively simple to actually pass these exams. But if you are coming from a place whereby English isn't your first language and 
you know, I've actually worked with a lot of IMGs where the English is not their first language and they've had a lot of difficulties. And for them, passing an English exam was quite a big step. Huge step. I actually felt like a big step for me as well. It's a daunting thing. Um, even true. as an English speaker. So I think these are very challenging tests. And yes. um, the more help, the better. I the think more, so. The more preparation, the better. So there are a lot of pros and cons to each of these, I suppose. I do feel that um, I'm happy with my choice. Just because I can't be unhappy with it. I passed it the first time. Correct. But just from what I'm hearing, um, it does sound like TOEFL might be a, a more fair way, I suppose, to, yes. to assess someone in a sort of more informal English way, but it more does, a, but even appear. at an advanced level. It yep. does appear so, and I think it might be a more simpler approach yep. and a more readily accessible approach. And also, let's be honest, it's it's a cheaper option. It is cheaper, and it's more widely available. Yes. Um, it's yep. computer-based as well. You also don't have the daunting feeling of having to do this in front of someone, a real person. But some people like that. Some people want yep. to be seen and heard by a real person. Yep. and So some people, mi- that might appeal to some people with IELTS. I um I also think that the TOEFL is a USA based, um it's a US based test. Okay. It's based on US English, definitely. Okay. Because IELTS is uh, British based. Yes, exactly. So uh, yeah, it's so uh, that might impact Im- Im- impact your um your speaking one. So if you've yes. learned your English from TV or series, <laughs> well, true, and yeah. also you have to ask your con- you know your country that you're coming from. What is their English structure based on? Is it based British English or is it? American English. Exactly. So I think um, Australia's uh, nice in the sense that I don't think they can really decide whether they are true. UK or US English. Because just coming <laughs> to mind, when you actually have to write your answers down in IELTS, they even look at spelling. Mm. And we British spelling and American spelling is different. It's totally different. Yep. So that's so that's something to consider as well. Y- yes. So, um, th- and I know that for a fact, TOEFL is US-based and IELTS is UK-based. Yes. So it will make a huge difference in... Firstly, where your English is coming from, uh, and from South Africa, ours is UK based. Yes, it's UK. So based. you would think that it would be a bit easier <laughs> for us yeah. to do alts, but I know a lot of people that have found it very difficult. So I think it's just the structure of alts, to be honest. It might just be easier on the second time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't be despondent if no, you no, have to no, do no, it twice. No, no, don't, don't give up. You know, I mean, like if you've decided that you want to be making a move and tracing an opportunity, mm. you know, don't give up. You know. At the end of the day, I think they each bring different things to the table. I think neither one is probably easy. They're both pretty tough. Um, they They are assessed a little differently, but they each have their pros and cons. I think ALTS is probably more famous. I um, think so. I, that was the one that I yeah, always knew exactly. of. Yeah, um, exactly. is kind of like the underdog. And ALTS is probably um, more widely acceptable worldwide. So if you weren't honing in on Australia, you'd probably want to do something that sets a, yes. a cast a wider net for you. But if you are just zoning in on Australia, you'd want to do the one that suits you the best. And yeah, true. So that's why um, I just went for the other option. And it was it was COVID, um, the pandemic. Yeah. I was not able to, like, they weren't offering ALTS at the time. So I had to look for another option. So, yeah, they both have their pros and cons. I suppose it's just about what suits the individual. And from hearing these experiences, which one you kind of resonate with more. Definite. But it's just, they're all just a means to an end. I mean, Very everyone true. gets there eventually, whether you have to do it once or twice. I know people that have had to do TOEFL twice and just how you feel on the day or what questions you have to get or if you ran out of time or not. So it doesn't, you know, you can hear 
Brendan's English is perfect. <laughs> well, perfect. It's a 0.5 difference of being perfect. <laughs> it's perfect English. Yet, um, you're, you can have to do it a second time. But And that's true with all of these assessments to even try to get to Australia. Exactly. Um, it's not always based on how smart you are, how good no. your English is, you know, how qualified you are. Very true. It's all just strategic. And tactical. how you actually answer the questions. Exactly. It's all playing the game, really. Um, so you get there eventually. True. Once, twice, whether you do this test, that test, yeah. you know, it is, it's just a, it's a little bump that you have to, you have to, at the end of the day, just go, th- go through with it and get it over and done with. I would say, though, try and time it so you only have to do it once. That's the timing. Yep. I think, you know, you have to realize, fine, it's going to be valid for two years. When will be the correct time? And also fact in, you know, if you're going to be applying for a job or your visa, you then have to ensure that you can execute it and pass it and to satisfy then the time's constraints. So I think that's all from me for TOEFL. Do you have anything else for IELTS that you'd want to tell people? I don't really have anything else for the IELTS or so. It it is what it is, you know, know, four domains, English. If if you have time, you know, go venture and actually explore each option, you know, each different testing, and see which one really applies to you and how you can apply your strengths to actually pass the exams. Well, thanks, Brendan. Thanks so Mm. much for taking the time to chat about it. It's only a pleasure. Really great to be here. Awesome. I'll be going through um, a few more of the English options, obviously ones that I haven't done or don't have um, someone close to me that has done it, but I'll go through all those options with you just to give you an overview of those tests as well, if they might suit you. And Caroline will be going over people that have exemptions from English. She didn't write an English test herself, so she'll be going through with you if you don't have to write an English test if you qualify for an exemption for the English test so that's also an interesting um, topic as most a mo- lot of countries actually are exempt from an English test yeah, um, yeah. but so unfortunately South Africa is not yes I know so <laughs> we've we've had many friends that tried to go through the loopholes and stuff and unfortunately South Africans have to write get an around English it. test you just can't get around it I know a lot of people have commented as well on the page and on Instagram yeah. saying you know, I'm from South Africa. Do I have to do the English test? I, you know, I studied here. Yeah. I studied there. I'm from Cape yeah. Town. All my schooling is in English. Yeah. It, it doesn't specify. It's very vague on the some of the websites yeah. that whether you have to do it or not, the answer is you have to do it. Yeah. Myself and Sasha, we have a mutual friend and <laughs> she went through the whole, trying to go through the loophole and she eventually had to realize that she had to write the English tests. Yeah. And so she did. <laughs> uh, it's annoying, but... Um, it's part you know, of the process. It's part of the process, part of the learning curve. <laughs> Look back on it and laugh at it and smile. <laughs> yep. So we hope this helped you. Hope we gave you a little bit more insight into the two different types and our experiences and a bit of the pros and cons. And you can find out what maybe would suit your type of English. And look out for the rest of this the rest of the series where we're speaking about the English test, there'll be more parts to this podcast, like I mentioned before. So thank you so much for listening. And please don't forget to find us on social media. Find us at, at Code U Australia on Instagram and Facebook. And also we have a YouTube channel, Code U Australia, where we post videos that might not actually make it onto our Facebook and Instagram. So make sure you check those out and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Thanks so much, Brendan. Thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. And we'll see you guys in the next few parts of the English testing podcasts. Cool. Thanks for listening.